0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.
1: Good evening to the co- uh, welcome to the Coffee Clatch. This is May Wilkinson standing in for Marianne Russo. And tonight we are pleased to have with us Amalia Starr. Amalia is a national speaker and autism advocate. She is the author of Raising Brandon, Transitioning Your Autistic Teen into Adulthood. Please join us as we discuss the journey to giving your autistic child independence into their young adult lives. Welcome, Amalia, and welcome to all of our listeners this evening. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks, May.
1: Good. Well, um why don't we start in with your uh particular expertise, which is getting young adults into an independent living so that they can enjoy um inclusion in the community as adults. So, can you tell us why this is why independent living is so important?
0: that's really a good question um yeah i think independence is important uh for anyone whether you have a disability a special needs or you don't i think independence is for me i link it to freedom which gives you freedom of choice freedom to be yourself uh to live and grow and develop and that's what we all deserve and I believe most of it we all want, and it comes certainly in different levels. And, you know, that's, I think it's beautiful to be independent. And uh, I don't know if it's what we all want, because I did get an email from a gal actually on her blog who said living alone by yourself, she thinks, is not terribly appropriate, that we should live with family and that we would our children may be lonely and i had to call my counselor the counselor that sees my son brandon to see if indeed i was missing something and he said no no i don't see him as lonely at all and to, quite honestly i don't either mm-hmm. i see him as you know he's he's doing his thing life isn't perfect but we'll go into that you know a mm-hmm. few minutes down the road here
1: well, thank you for mentioning the kind of uh, that it's that it's it's a, a matter of of individual choice, and uh, I think it is difficult for some parents to uh, allow a child with a disability to try and live on their own. I think it's it's um, as hard on the parent as it is on the on the young adult. How did you feel when uh, Brandon went and lived on his own? How did you come to the decision to allow him to do that?
0: Um, Brandon Brandon really never asked for much, and he also never had any friends. So for him, um, he was just mistreated and abused by his peers for so many years that He did go away to um, an independent living school out in in New York. And and he went there for several years. It was for people with special needs. And he didn't come back, I don't want to give you the wrong impression that he came back and he was just great in all avenues of his life because he wasn't. But what he could do is he could manage his checkbook, he excels in math. And he asked me, his father had suddenly taken ill and died, and asked me the day of the funeral or told me he wanted to live alone. So it was a lot to digest in that one day, but he never asked for much in his life except for maybe a toy. So for to go from a toy to asking to live independently, um, it was quite a shock. But what I really want to put out there to other parents who are listening is that we are asked as mothers, fathers, to be courageous, to be more courageous than a lot of people are asked, especially of children who are naive and who are sensitive and who could be easily misunderstood out there in the quote-unquote real world. So what I ask is of myself, I said, well, where would I want Brandon to go, if he didn't go to live by himself, what kind of setting would there be? And quite frankly, there's not much out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I had to just be courageous and say, let's try it for a while, for six months, and see what happens. And see if indeed, you know, he can make it. And I spent the first six months, well, the first year with no sleep at all.
1: <laughs> and the first
0: six months, of taking him around his new community, um, he had lived in all, L.A. all his life. But when he came back, L.A. is a huge—you know—it's a huge city, so it's so spread out that where I found his apartment and set it up for him when he came back, um, he needed to be acclimated with, you know, the bus system because he doesn't drive. He has intractable epilepsy. And he also needed to know, we did how he had a part-time job that was he in walking distance. So it was well planned out. It wasn't like I just said, okay, let's find him an apartment and just lock, here's your key, and I'll see you, you know, in a month, you know. So it wasn't that at all. It was very, it was well thought out. And I wanted to make sure that he could be successful If, if he if he, you know, if he could be successful, let's give it, you know, a go and let's see if he can do it. And um, I spent almost, I would say, almost every day with him for several months getting him, um, you know, a foundation. And uh, the weeks, the days turned into weeks, the weeks turned into months, the months turned into years. And uh, next week, Brandon will be celebrating 14 years of living in his own apartment.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. Now, Amalia, uh, someone popped up on, uh, a question popped up on uh, Tweet Chat and one of our guests wanted to know what was the name of the independent living school in New York and nope. in what city was it in right
0: it's the new york um it's i cannot even believe that i can't believe that i can't remember this but it's a, uh it's uh, i'm sorry it's the vocational independence program at the new york institute of technology excuse me for that and um okay one more time the vocational yeah, it, it, Okay, it the program is the, okay, it's the Vocational Independence Program, VIP, mm-hmm. at the New York Institute of Technology. Okay, thank you. Sure. And Brandon went there because it's a long story how Brandon got there, but to make it short, is my husband and I divorced after 22 years and his new wife Brandon went to live with his father for a while and his new wife couldn't take it, and so Brandon was Sent off to the school. And I think it did have a lot of, um, it did teach him a lot. He had more patience, I will say that. But let me just add this, and that is that he was continually mistreated by his peers also at this school. Hmm. So I, I, I knew when he got back why he wanted to live alone. And he has an amazing determination. And amazing. You know, really, in all honesty, we can't make a person do anything. We can't. What we can do is we can help our children grow and develop in areas they maybe they excel in or they find they, they show interest in. And so because this is the first time that Brandon showed any interest in almost anything other than sports when he was growing up, not to play them but to watch baseball or you know, knowing the stats of that of of um, mm-hmm. the different games. But so I I really did listen to this, and I'm so grateful I did. I needed to get over my own fears and my own limited. You know, I've been on the planet a long time, but I still have a limited life, and I can't allow what I've learned so much by raising Brandon is to not allow my fears, my own personal shortcomings, my own limits to stop my son from excelling, and sometimes you just have to stop for a moment and say, is this my issue or is it his or is it my daughter's? We don't – and be clear that the reason I, – I work with a lot of parents who are just on the brink of deciding whether or not they're going to allow their child to live independently. And we have wonderful discussions, and we talk about what holds them back. What is it? We had one young man. He was terrific, and he was, he was, he was quite – Um, capable in many, many areas, but he always lost the keys, the keys to his house, and they were so, his parents were so upset and so worried that he would lose his keys when he was out, and how would he get in, and if it's late at night, and I understand that, and so he loves fishing. He loves fish. So I made a wonderful um, a hook for him to put his keys with. That was made out of fish, and his hook, his keychain had a hook on it, like from a fishing line. And so every time he came into the house, he hooked it up there. And I'm so thrilled to say it's worked. It's worked so far. He's been out for a year, for over Good a year. for
1: you. I think that's a very interesting approach. Is to look at the obstacles that. Uh, these individuals face, and, and especially what their parents kind of get hung up or guardians get hung up on, and then tackling those obstacles one at a time. What um, what other obstacles and workarounds have have you been able to accomplish, Amalia, in your counseling and coaching of, of people as they make the transition?
0: Right. Um what I, I love the story about Brandon. When um, you, know, you know, a lot of bachelors when they move out, they don't cook, they eat out. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when these people say to me, "Well, what does he make and what does he cook?" And I, I did. I thought I could teach him, and I spent many, many hours trying to teach Brandon what to eat and how to cook. And he's afraid of the fire. He's afraid of that. So we didn't get too far in that arena. And a couple of years ago, keep in mind, Brandon's 38. He was about 35, 34, and we were eating at his favorite restaurant, one of them. And there was a big glass case with all this fresh food in there with and everything, and and what happened to Brandon, I noticed his plate was always in either beige, brown, or gray, everything on his plate, so they were all starches, and he nothing of color, and I got this great idea, I said, you know what, Brandon, you get to pick three things out of the case, but they have to have color, and you can pick whatever you want, but they can't be all gray, white, or brown, you know, or beige, and sure enough, he picked out green beans, he picked out carrots, and he picked out a piece of chicken. And he sat at the table, he ate his lunch, and he said to me, that tastes really good, Mom. And so he got it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What he does when I'm not there, I can't tell you, but I can tell you that he really gets it, and he understands, and he's his shopping has really picked up. We have Trader Joe's here in California. I don't know if you have them around where you are, but they have, Great things that are already prepared, and they're quite healthy. So that's another option for Brandon. We have a lot of obstacles with Brandon, but I don't see them as obstacles. I see them as, okay, you're going to put me to work. That means I have to be more creative. My job is not to make it an obstacle. My job as his mom and loving this child is to make it a game and make it creative and say, okay, he can't do this then we're going to teach them how to eat through color. And sure enough, that worked. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I've heard a lot of uh, coaches saying the same things. It's the creativity that, that really gets the job done. Yeah, I mean, and every
0: child we deal with is so different, and that's the beauty of them. We can't be said in our own ways because if we do, it's not going to work for these kids. It's like they say when the children are young, they can learn. These kids will learn. We just have to learn how to teach them.
1: Mm-hmm. Very so true. Um, that's that's something that will be tweeted and retweeted for the next week and a half. <laughs> we just have to teach our kids um, in a way that they know how to learn, and um, I think that's exactly. very important. Uh-huh. So so let's talk about uh, when we talked on the phone a little bit earlier uh, uh, before the interview. We, we talked about the Olmstead Act and how the law is fairly clear that people with disabilities deserve the chance to live in the community. And yet, some of the aging parents of children uh, who have um, who were told to put their kids into a mental institution, a state-run facility, um, are very, very reluctant to take that leap of faith, even though study after study has shown that People who live in the community are healthier and happier and tend to have fewer behavioral issues than people living in those institutions. And, of course, you know, the the institutions have cleaned up their act by and large, but there's still a lot of bad stuff that happens in there. So how would you suggest for those, I think, 17 states that still have mental institutions how to help those parents Who've had kids in there for years and years and years and years, and and they are much too old in their minds to think that they can quote unquote handle that child or that individual. How would you suggest? How would you ha- approach those parents to say, "Let them go, let them try it," how and okay. get them out of those institutions?
0: Okay, I I do work. I do. Um workshops are just on right on what we're talking about because with parents just like with our children we don't expect our children to go from you know at age you know at a young age to learn everything at once and it's a gradual and it's a process and sometimes they learn it and they they can't repeat it even something they do so with the parents i like to treat them the same way and that means you know you can't eat just take one bite at a time please just be kind to yourself take care of yourself we need you we need every mom and dad out there so much more than ever before i i think about my son being put into um an instant living in an institution and that to me is just it's just it's just heartbreaking to me i'm not saying that all institutions are bad but what i what i'm saying is if there's a chance for these kids to live out there independently then they deserve that opportunity they deserve that right and so the question answering your question um is that it's it's it comes back to fear it's it's our own fear and my fear is not Brandon's fear, and I'm clear about that.
1: Mm-hmm. And once
0: I got clear of what my fears were, I don't have to put my fears on my children. I have an older son as well. I don't have to do that. And when I do that, it doesn't help them. So what I do is I listen. I focus on what my son can do. I focus on the things that he's capable I. You know I put him into I, I try to help them and direct them to situations that are more positive it doesn't always happen it is scary out there in the real world it doesn't even matter if you have a disability or not it's still scary and there's crazy things that go on and things that happen and because most of our children with special needs um, and have autism are more naive and people don't understand them my son Brandon is verbal but he doesn't say what he means and he doesn't mean what he says mm-hmm. and so that alone is what are you ta- what is he talking about and that is what is what is what has gotten him into trouble and in not making friends and if someone says the sky is orange, he'll agree with them. And if someone says it's, it's turquoise, he'll agree with them. He's almost, I say, I don't know if you know what tofu is, but tofu is like a food you can put in any, you know, within, into any um, uh, menu in it. It just kind of absorbs whatever you put it into, whatever recipe. I think Brandon does that, too. A lot of our kids do that they want to be liked and accepted, so they kind of just become, you know, whoever they're around. They act that way. Mm-hmm. So. For me, I would recommend, and that's what I do with parents, is we, we, I ha- we, we hold hands as we walk this path together. One step at a time, take one breath. Don't think about the future of what's going to happen in 11 years because we can't go there. We have to think about today and how we can plan for tomorrow. I work with people. The number one question when I go out to speak, there's two questions. One, one is, what will happen to my child when he, he or she becomes an adult? and what will happen to them after my husband and I die. Mm-hmm. And number one is what will happen after, you know, they age out of services, and there's nothing there. What we have is we have, thank God, most of the kids have parents. And, you know, if you think about this, our children are going to live 75% of their lifetime as adults, so we have to get them ready for this life, and we won't be here forever. And my that's exactly what I'm writing now. My next book is a template for people so they'll know what to do and to plan ahead before they die and to have this in writing so we can hand it off to somebody so they know. if Billy has to have a cupcake at 4 o'clock on Wednesdays, you better make sure he has one. And it's those simple things, it's those simple things that maybe we negate and other people look at and they look at you thinking, oh, you're, that's crazy. It's not crazy. We match our child to where they are. We love our children. So we take care of them and we respect them and we they have dignity and we treat them kindly most of the time. And if we don't, I try, I don't always, and I quickly apologize. I treat Brandon like I would treat a dear friend and that has made our relationship so much better and i by treating him that way you can look at it as opposed to like oh what happens if he doesn't make it no what's he going to do i mean when i allowed brandon to live on his own my family thought i was nuts they did and i i mean it was and so it took more courage and more of me to just just go with it. Just go with my heart, my gut. We know as parents inside what's right. Can we get not right? What feels best to us for our children? And is the question is, can we get there? And how do we get there? And to get there by moving our own personal blocks and taking care of ourselves, getting ourselves as healthy as possible so we can actually um, see what's ours and what's theirs, separate them, and make sure that we do the best and what's best for our children. And the high, you know, because really, if you saw Brandon on some days, you'd say to me, "Oh my goodness, how do you allow him to live out there?" I, look at—he can't do this, he can't do that. He can't open cans. He can't make his bed. He can't, um, you, know, op, un, you know, open jars. That's hard for him to open doors. Sometimes he bumps into people. He doesn't know where his body ends. He—he's um, rude. He doesn't mean to be rude. He sounds rude. He sounds um, just. There's so many things about Brandon that he's so limited, and I want to say that. And the reason I want to say he's not limited, excuse me, he has limitations that don't limit him. And I want to tell parents this. I want to say it, that if my son, who has intractable epilepsy and autism and severe learning disorders, can live out there on his own, other people can too. And my message is not only to live alone because there are options there's roommates there's all kinds of things and only my my goal in this lifetime is to help people help their children reach their full potential, whatever that means mhm wow
1: that's you're very passionate obviously and 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 i'm I'm grateful that there are people like you to to help those those parents take that leap of faith as you um if you could give us a little bit of a, a preview on some of the key points you suggest for parents um what are some of the steps that they can take to prepare for that um for that transition and and also for the not just the transition from their child from Used to young adults living on their own, but also the transition from when a parent may not to prepare for not being here any longer
0: yeah, absolutely um I think what's what I have found to be um, another workshop that I do that I love, and it's it's where parents use i call it their antenna or their radar. Because we know as parents, we know what kind of person we want our children to be around if we're no longer here, for an example. And it may sound ridiculous when Billy's two and a half, but it's really not. Because what I'm doing is I'm hoping that the parent will say, oh, I think Mary at the library would be perfect. So she'll put Mary's name down just for, this is just for right now, this is just saying, okay, Mary the librarian would be a perfect person. If I'm not here, she would be, that's the kind of person I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And just get the feel out there. So you start looking, um, and most likely 99% of the chance Mary's not going to be the right person. It's not going to happen when maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. But it gives you um, It's the exercise to actually do it. And you start looking at people, and you start seeing things a little bit differently. And you start when the child is young, and so you think, well, there are possibilities. If I don't, you know, and also about independence. Um, My son, Brandon, couldn't tie his shoes till he was 15 years old. So did I ever think he'd live alone? Absolutely not. I didn't. And yet here he is doing it. So the the picture of this is that with all these limitations, so let's not let's not cut our children. Let's not you know short. Let's 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 let them excel in the areas they do. If you are one of the mothers, there was a mom who said, my son loves to look at the. Um, like the, the uh, what did she say? Oh, tall buildings. And he, he's great. You know, he just loves to go to the tall buildings. He loves to look out and he likes to draw them and all that. And I said, great. Why don't you, she said, but he does it so much and it's just so much and it's too much. Well, he's telling you this is his interest. And so let's hone in on the interest if you ever see that. Brandon really didn't have many. I took him, um, as I write in my book, I took him many places. And he just didn't have any really interest on anything like this and so that when you hear it or you see it you know cultivate it when you see that area you know stay with it and if a child likes it the child is really telling you this is of interest to him or her and so that's one indicator and then another is Brandon couldn't make friends so he didn't go to camp he didn't sleep over with people at people's houses he didn't have that experience except with my mother and that was quite special, who took him all over the country and would travel with him and loved him, never saw him as disabled. Of course, it was her grandson, right? And treated him. She had one thing which I thought was terrific. She had no expectations. She took him to New York, and she didn't make a plan for anything. And any day... Instead of saying, well, we're going to the theater, or we're going here, or we're going there, and then she'd be disappointed, she didn't set herself up. She allowed the vacation to take on a life of its own, and she'd always come home so happy. And she's like, oh, we just sat in the park for three days straight. That's what he wanted to do, sit at the park and eat, you know, popcorn, whatever he wanted to eat. I mean, you know, to a point. but." She didn't have the expectations and she wasn't disappointed. And she was never let down. And so I'm not saying don't expect good things to happen, but let's let them unfold naturally and let's gently guide them along the way. We're not going to push and pull and we're not going to say this isn't going to ever happen or it'll never, this will never be. What we're going to do is open our eyes. We're going to take care of ourselves as parents the best we can be. And we're going to take – that means personally too. Work on yourself. Be the best you can be so with courage you can step out, you can – you can have courage. You can have hope. You can think positive things. If you think something negative, I want you to please turn it around as fast as you can and make it positive. And if you don't believe it, that's okay. I just believe that these children are all on this planet. They all deserve a chance an opportunity to excel and to become um, as in maximum independence, that that is the most beautiful thing that we can do for our children. And that may be living in the house, and we may set up the room so it's more geared towards an adult than a child as he as he or she gets older. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's beautiful. So it doesn't have to be on your own. It can be in your own home. Well, just you know, maybe just revamp the bedroom. Revamping a room where they live can also revamp your attitude towards them and allow them to grow and to go. That's beautiful, but it does take a lot of courage. It's step by step. It's one day at a time. It's not living in the future. It's not thinking of the negative. It's just if you can't think of anything good, then just don't think about it, you know?
1: All right, so please, please, Amalia, tell me you didn't get this way overnight. (laughs) Tell me you're like the rest of us and you were afraid and scared um, up until your child was at least 22. I'll
0: tell you even more. How's that? I always think, (laughs) thank you for that question. I think it's really important that us moms and and dads that, that you hear the truth. And um, I'm a totally different person than I was when Brandon was born 38 years ago. I had no one to talk to. I was lost. I was told never to tell anybody that Brandon had epilepsy. The neurologist told us that. I kept everything a secret. I was miserable. I was unhappy. I had a beautiful life before Brandon was born. I have a, I had a two-and-a-half-year-old son who was easy to, to take care of and to love I had a husband who was extremely successful in the Hollywood entertainment field. And my life was great. And then Brandon came along and I so I thought at the time, which I did, my whole life just fell apart. So I want people to know that I was not the kindest person at that time. I didn't take it easy, easily. I didn't accept it, and it took me 15 years to accept my son had special needs. I did not know Brandon had autism until he was 32 years old, and that's shocking to most people. But I was not I was not happy for many many years. I felt actually like I had the flu for many years while Brandon was growing up, and I always lived I did I lived in fear. I lived in what if? I lived in I don't know what I'm going to do with my life or his. And so, yes, I'm just like the rest of you. And, yes, what turned me around, what made me. I was so sick after so many years that I decided that I had to surrender to what I had. I had a son that had special needs. And although I didn't know he had autism, I still knew he had epilepsy. And he had grand mal seizures. And I couldn't hide it anymore. And I couldn't hide it from him, and nor did I want to. And over the years, I'd read books, I'd read self-help books, I'd read anything that would just get me through the day, anything. I started exercising, doing yoga, I walked around a track, I'd even walk up to 10 miles. I know I didn't have a lot of time, but I walked fast, and I walked, when I had time, I would do it. And even if I didn't have time, I'd walk three to five miles a day. It kept my sanity. And until really it wasn't I didn't I surrendered but I didn't befriend this this path at all. I didn't want to be on it. I wanted my old life back with my easy life and silliness and joking and just laughter and being just silly. And I didn't have that anymore. And this uprooted our entire family. I lost my, my husband and I separated because the fact my husband was in denial. Even when he saw my son our son, have a grand mal seizure at his feet, he still was in denial. And I needed, if I was married, I needed my partner to be there for me. And it ended after 22 years. So, no, my life hasn't been easy. And, no, I haven't been happy. But I will say this, because I can, that because of Brandon, He's given me a purpose in life. I've never been more passionate about anything in my life. People who know me, if I'm not carrying my book around or my computer plugged into Twitter or on into my with my clients, they're like, "Oh my God, what's wrong with you?" And it's so important that it's helping others. I mean, I'm put on this path because yes. I'm ahead of many people by years, 38 years ahead maybe but for some and maybe less for others. I'm not any better than anyone else. I just have a little more experience, practical experience each day, and I'm grateful for where I am and for anyone I can touch and make their lives better. <laughs> it really makes my life a thousand times better. Well, thank you so much for your honesty,
1: and I'm sorry that, that I made you emotional. I'm trying to make you feel comfortable, but I knew <laughs> that, that that great strength doesn't come without having um, great trauma earlier on. That's how courage is built by, and passion, by overcoming fear. And um, as you were talking, the the tweet chat kept rolling thank you for her honesty thank you for her honesty she's singing our song you know all of those uh couples who are on the verge of splitting up because one is in denial and one is worried and all of these things so so thank you for saying that being worried and and having that worry influence your relationships and influence your um the way you work with your child um your health—that—that um, that is a very normal process, which is why we need to truly support our families. Now, in addition, if you are not around, Amalia, to help families through this, can families go to a um, a life coach, or can they go to their um, caseworker or a social worker to try and and affect a kind of a, a this this transition, dealing with the fear at the same time, or is that just something that isn't quite with us in our society right now?
0: It doesn't appear that there is really, that that's being offered. And what I say, what I think is so important, and that I really believe we're missing the boat here, is that, you know, we we do, we're so busy. We take our children to, different types of treatments we take them here we take them there we're doing we're at school we're doing everything we possibly can and yet what are we doing for the parents what are we doing We, we did a um we do in palm desert california here um we do a yoga class for children with special needs we also do a class that it's mandatory that the mother or father, whoever's taking them to the class, comes in, and they're taken care of. We put them, we pamper them, we we pamper them very simply. We put one of those blankets, a weighted blanket on them. We put them in the corner, and they get dressed for one hour while their child is doing yoga.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. And the the difference of that is that it's so amazing. The difference between the time they come in and they leave that's called rejuvenation, and I, they, their child cannot take the class unless they participate. And and now, of course, when they want, they fly through the door, so they don't even. It's not like at the beginning we have to get them in because they're so busy they can't stay the whole hour. They can't do this. We just say just come just once, and then we've got them. So going out there to find someone, possibly you could find a clergyman, go to a temple, go to. Somebody you trust, maybe you could talk to them. Um, I offer free consultations. Call me. Just call me. I'm fine with that, you know. Just, you know, call me, you know, or send an email to my, you know, on my website, which is um, amaliastar.com. I'm happy to help anybody I can. It's really not about money for me. It's really, it's about, I didn't have this 38 years ago, and now I get a voice to give back. What a gift, that is for me. So I also wanted to tell you that I found out something very interesting that I think may have changed my relationship with my husband. If I would have known this piece, okay. And I also do a workshop for men who have children with special needs. And one man stood up recently. Well, it was a year or two ago, and he said, "Let me tell you why we are in denial." And I, boy, I couldn't wait to listen. And I said, "Tell me." He said. We're men. We're, we come here on this, you know. We come here to fix things, and our children are broken. We can't fix them. Then we just don't want to hear about it. And I looked at them and I said, "Thank you so much," because it was just so profound. And I said, "And for us moms, we come out here. We want to nurture and help and take care and make them better. We we don't see. I don't see my son as ever being broken." I don't see him in that capacity at all. But I could see how a man would say that. And I'm so grateful for that man because that was a real key piece. And when we find out that where they're coming from, whether it's our husbands, our children, you know, anything may anything we learn in this autism arena or are on the path, we can practice it anywhere in life. These children are so beautiful. They come into our lives to just make us better people. And they don't even make us. They demand it from us, and silently they demand it. So at the beginning, I went kicking and screaming for many, many years out there, and I know, and I, I'm glad I did because I know where people are at, and so I don't judge them, and I don't say, oh, come on, get over it. You know, you have the kid. It's fine. You know, everything will work out. What? I'm not a Pollyanna like that either. I just say, just you have to allow the parents to grow, also, but at their time. I can't push a mother and say you you need to think this way, and I never would do that. This is how I think. This is worth, what worked for me, and in your own time, you will come to whatever terms you come to. It took me years. Nobody, nobody could have told me what to do at that time because I wasn't going to listen. And so I'm very, very respectful, not only of my son, but whoever I work with or I come across, especially in the, spe- in the special needs arena.
1: Well, and I think that's very important for any mentor. There are an awful lot of Fiery advocates and activists that that point their fingers at parents and tell them exactly what they're doing wrong. So I think that softer, more accepting approach um, is is very welcoming and it tends to make parents um, talk more uh, rather than to kind of feel embarrassed and shameful about their about how they feel and then they go back into a corner and they feel even worse on the. Um, On the husband's side, uh, the way I've heard it explained is, yes, men want to fix things so they may show their love a little bit differently. I heard a story of one man who didn't interact with his daughter very much, but he built her a... um, so she could easily get to the beach to see the ocean, he built her almost a mile-long ramp for her wheelchair. And that was his way of showing what he could do because it took, it took action. And there are a lot of, most of the times, yes, it is the moms that are the nurturers, but sometimes it's the mom that's in denial and, and even departs, leaves, leaving the dad to, to raise the child single-handedly. And so I think we have to give those guys a lot of credit as well for stepping in in the nurturing role when it doesn't come by them maybe naturally.
0: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I commend anybody on this path because it's not an easy path to be on. And wherever you are, if you're listening out there, that, that, that's where you are today, and to just take it for day by day if that that's just for me that really helped me more than anything instead of living out in what if this happens or what if that that was just that was eating me alive for years
1: mhm oh sure it's 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 absolutely it does uh thinking in next steps, and that's how we're trained to do. We're trained to think about our education. We're trained to think about our retirement plan. We're 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 trained to save for our kids' college education when they're uh, three <laughs> years old. So I I I think that too is a natural thing, and it, it takes a, a lot of uh, confidence and self discipline to try and and, um, and 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 not do that so much. How about uh, switching gears a little bit? Um, I wanted to get to some of the, the societal obstacles that we face. And, and maybe not, as, as you said, obstacles may not be the right term, but there does seem to be a distinct lack of available and affordable housing. How do you advise parents uh, to find the right place once the child has decided to and the, and the family has decided to live outside of the home?
0: Right. That's that's. Not easy. It really isn't. In my case, um, Brandon lives, has affordable housing, and he does get assistance from the government. Mm -hmm. And without that, he wouldn't be able to, I I don't believe I could really afford to find a, you know, and also it would be very difficult to find a place for him. However, I I have some statistics here, and I, I don't read statistics, but these are so amazing that I had to write them down cuz I didn't believe it. It says there are only about 25 agencies in the United States that have highly specialized residential programs for adults with autism. So, with that said, um I'm I actually am building a foundation for it's a nonprofit that will be uh hopefully up in the next within the next month and will be addressing this issue mostly, I mean it's about housing what do you do i mean i've heard of many people you know there's farms there's um people that are gathering together making there was some there's an area where they're building a village and i just think for me it's important that whatever we build and whatever we find for our children for me this is how i feel that we don't segregate them that we don't separate them that we do let them filter into society into the mainstream of society it's just I don't think it's a good idea to be doing that too much. Of course, they can live somewhere, and I'm not sure that it's even going to work because this has never been done before. So we're facing, um, they say, about 800,000 children in the next autistic children will become adults in the next five years, and we're facing, you know, they were talking about the autism tsunami, but. We don't know. There's not enough out there. There's not enough information. So rightly so, parents really do have a task at hand. And all of us have to get, you know, get gather together to make sure, I mean, I think of this and I, I mean, I want to build houses. How many houses can I build and how quickly? I don't know, <laughs> but <I'm, laughs> I'll be building. I know that for sure. And will there be enough and who's going to be there to manage them and who's going to be there to not manage the children, but the actual, you know, who will be there? We have to have supervision. Then we have to have the availability of access to stores and ways, you know, to get food and to teach. This kid, who's, who's gonna be there? So I'm in the process of working on this my foundation right now and this is all up for me so it is challenging and every state is different and also every city within every state is different there may be something wonderful in iowa uh, iowa and in sioux city we don't know so wherever you live you need to really do your research and once you get your research there are some wonderful places that are available there's just not enough and there's not and so we're we're pioneering this. We have many, many kids out there are adults like Brandon and even older who didn't even know they had autism, and now they're finding out they do and you know where have they lived all these years, anywhere from institutions to living out in in the world and we don't want our kids living on the streets and we don't want them harmed, and so we have to do something about it and I know how fragile life is and I also know how even with Brandon living out in the world for 14 years I don't celebrate year by year for Brandon I do because it's a big it's a big year celebration but I celebrate every day every single day he's out because I know about how life is unpredictable and I know about uncertainty and I That's what I find it the best, to just live each day and be grateful that he makes it through another day. And that's for anybody, whether you have a disability or not, but more so with our children who have special needs. It is true. So as far as finding that special place, I would say definitely look in your nearby communities. Mm -hmm. If there is nothing, you know, people are gathering together. And I hope to be doing something with that, too, is getting communities to start talking about this. And let's get to work and see what we can do. There was uh, somewhere, I'm sorry I've read so much lately, about them building a home where they they got halfway and they didn't have enough money to complete it. So that's a sad story. That shouldn't be. I mean, these kids need places and they deserve it. And we need to make it happen. And I'll do my part, I promise, I promise. This is the most important thing in my life because I happen to be lucky or to have Brandon be independent and I have freedom and so does he. And with my freedom, I want to give it back to the autism community.
1: Wonderful. Well, let's talk a little bit about how you're trying to accomplish that through your foundation. First of all, what's it called?
0: It's called Autism Independence Foundation.
1: Oh, I love that name. And tell me a little bit about, um, you know, more of the goals and objectives and, um, you know, timetables and all that good stuff. Just, if you can, give us the the short uh, summary of what it does and what it's trying and what it's going to do in the future.
0: Right. My goals are um, certainly focusing on the adults, the autistic adults, you know, adults, and to... I want I want our children, our adults, to be respected and treated with dignity. I want them to have a place to live. So I'll be working on housing. I'll be working on finding people. I'll have a service so we can pick, we can choose the right, the the best people um, as counselors to help our children. We don't want just. Brandon's had a lot of negative experiences with counselors, so I know what I'm looking for. I want to work on that. I want to work on job training. Let's match the child with let's give him a job that he's going to like. Let's And whether it's stamping box whatever it is it doesn't matter if he likes it he's going to go to work and he's going to be happier we're going to have to match the job to who he is or match the vocation or match something even if it's a volunteer work we're going to find something that makes them um that works for them and so it's all about so it's all jobs it's housing it's it's huge i mean all of this and yes, um it is it's huge but it's it's what i want and i will live on this planet for however long the universe has me out here i'll be living and this is what i'll be doing it is my life calling i love what i do and when i can see people um they can breathe or they can think and they can see a future that's great we're just going to have to step together and you know hold hands join in and just one day at a time but these are my goals and um, there's many other people out there doing something very similar but it doesn't matter because we need so many places that you know millions of us got you know thousands of us got together and started building hundreds of homes we'd be in great shape so I say the more the merrier this is what I'm going to do there'll be more additions I'm just starting out i am barely even have you know i'm just barely there so it's still in the planning stage and just whatever happens when i see what brandon needs then i put it into um in my foundation cuz i know what he's been what he's needed over the years and how he needs those those the correct the people around him and also educating the parents on not educating but helping the parents and training them to what to do once they're gone how do they leave their life how do they leave feeling I want them to feel good about themselves I'm, I'm living this now and I want to feel good that I've done everything in my power that when I leave I give my this book that I'm writing I give it to someone else and pass it on to someone that I trust will have Brandon's best interest at heart and in my case it is not going to be my oldest son I don't feel that our siblings have to be the people or should be the people. If it works out, I say, fantastic for you, because it will not work out in my situation. And um, so every person is different. Every situation is different, even if we're all looking for the same thing, housing. But we have to find the appropriate housing that matches the child. And they're not out there right now, I'm sorry to say, most of them. So we're going to create them, and together we can do it. You really
1: oh can. wow! And you've got a lot of volunteers. The the tweet chat is saying, "Sign me up," and and I'm one of them, Amalia. Let us know what I can do, even if it is you know putting stamps on envelopes. But I I'd love to be part of this, uh, and I know a lot of us would be. One last uh, one last thing, and um, is that the end of your announcements, or do you have another announcement that you would like to I, talk about?
0: I do have another announcement. Um, Yes, I do. Uh, Brandon's not been able to work for several years, and the reason being he has intractable epilepsy, and when he works, um, the stress brings on the seizures. So we've been working on that, and I'm not certain. I was trying to match the job for Brandon, try to figure out what it is, and we've approached many things. And on Brandon's 38th birthday a few weeks ago, he came up to me and said, you know what, Mom? I'm going to go out and I'm going to go speaking with you. I'm going to become a speaker. Oh, wow. So that's my big announcement, and to me it's huge. Uh, It's going to be very interesting. I can't wait to see who books us first. It'll be very interesting. Um, He's, you know, he's my child, so I want to protect him. And, of course, I want him to have these experiences. And Brandon's terrific in some ways. I mean, in so many ways. Our kids are so sensitive and bright. Even if they don't verbalize it, they are inside. And Brandon said to me, you know, Mom, if I can help others, then I'm going to do it.
1: I think that's wonderful. Well, Maya, thank you so much for participating, and thank you everyone um, in the who's listening and participating in Tweet Chat, and of course to Marianne and Chuck who are who are moderating the Tweet Chat portion of tonight's talk. Before we go, I'd really like to congratulate Marianne on her new website. It's wonderful, and I hope that all of you have a chance to visit it at www dot the coffeeclatch dot com. Lots of great resources there.
0: Well thank um, you, May.
1: You're very welcome. I'm and are there in any- here
0: I just I have to just um you know I, I want to congratulate you on this interview. It's fantastic. And Amalia, I am just so impressed with what you're doing and how you're turning um, you know, the difficult chapters into your life into something amazing for so many people and you have the Coffee Clatch's full support. And if you're wondering who is going to Brandon is going to speak for, well, the Coffee Clutch would love to have him.
1: Oh yeah. Oh wow, that's fabulous.
0: That's fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> we'll we'll let's we'll work on that, won't we? And thank you. I think your website is terrific. I really do too. Terrific. I really thank you for joining us. And again, May, fantastic interview.
1: Good night, everyone.
0: Good night. And remember, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? Become an informed, educated parent. Thank you for joining us tonight on The Coffee Clutch. Thanks uh, thanks to Chuck. Good seeing you on the chat.